Our speaker today, Nathan Hart, is going to help us better understand how to do that. And I assure you that Nathan's qualifications to do this extend far beyond the fact that his last name happens to be H-A-R-T. <laughs> we did not plan that. Nathan is from Holland, Michigan, and his wife Nancy and mother Wilma are here with us today. And we're so delighted that you all are here. Nathan and Nancy um, have two beautiful children named Riley and Evangeline. He's the associate pastor at Stanwich Church here in Greenwich. And prior to that, he served as the focus area director for New York City. He has many other things on his resume, but more relevant today, Nathan absolutely exudes a grace and a peace that signifies his beautiful heart for God. Nathan is beloved well beyond Stanwich. And Mrs. Hart, I can assure you that there are many mothers in this room who want your parenting tips on how to raise a Nathan. <laughs> Nathan's heart does not um, radiate self-righteousness or judgment from the pulpit, but he has a heart that again and again says to his friends and his congregants, I'm journeying beside you. Please welcome Nathan Hart. fair to make the speaker cry <laughs> right before I'm supposed to address you all. Wow. Wow. Um, I know Neely already prayed, but I, I need to pray again just to get my emotions back after that. Let's pray. God in heaven, your name has been mentioned already here today. We don't just recognize you, we invite you to be here. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come and fill this room. Indeed, that you would fill every heart. Lord, uh, I pray that if there's anybody here who's feeling despair, that you would just minister hope to that person. If there's any relationships that are divided, I pray that you'd offer reconciliation. Um, if there's anybody who is just riddled with um, fear, Lord, I pray that your peace would flood their hearts and their minds. Whatever the needs are, Holy Spirit, you know better than I do. So I pray that you would, if you need to, just um, speak more loudly than I'm speaking into the hearts of those who need to hear from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So thank you so much for having me here today. Ansley in particular for inviting me. And, you know, I'm just amazed when I think about 30 years of, of Bible studies here in Greenwich. And one of my favorite things to do, you can ask the ladies at church, they'll tell you this, one of my absolute favorite things to do is to go and join you in your living rooms as you host these Bible studies uh, in, in Bevy's living room and in Heather Mosley's living room and Julie Ricciardi. And just last week I was in Lori Curtis's living room with some of you. This is so exciting for me because I love just being there with those of you who are the hosts, who open up your homes and your social connections to bring people closer to God. For those of you who say yes, I know that's not an easy thing to do sometimes, to say, yeah, I'll show up at your Bible study. That's not always the most socially acceptable thing to do. You know, uh, as soon as I get done with the tennis court here, I'm going to Bible study. Sometimes <laughs> it's, that's a good way to lose a friend. <laughs> so thank you for your courage for showing up for those Bible studies. I really believe that when you gather around and you open this thing, you know, we open the Bible, but what God does is he opens us up. 
and, and reads us and, and breathes into us. So I encourage you, those of you who are going to Bible studies, those of you who are still on the fence about whether or not to, to come to one, please do. And, um, and watch how God opens you up as you open up his word and, and, and just speaks into your life and, and brings you closer to him and brings peace. Um, the, Ansley already mentioned that my beautiful mother is here. She flew in just for this. So welcome, Wilma. Let's give her a welcome. You're actually going to hear from her before this talk is done, so look forward to that. Um, also, my beautiful wife Nancy is here. I actually want to tell you a little bit about my mom um, as I begin here today, and I want to tell you about how I was raised. I'm the youngest of four kids. I want to talk about my mom and my dad just briefly here at the beginning, sort of by way of introduction. And um, we, we were raised in a home where the Bible was read every day, where the love of Christ was central in all that we did. My older siblings are all in ministry in one way or another, either vocationally or volunteering as elders and worship leaders in their church. My sister Kristen lives in Alaska. The senior pastor of their church moved away, so they asked her to be the preacher. She's a better preacher than her little brother with no training. It's awesome. Um, and so what was it? What, what happened in our household that, that, um, that we were able to, to um, grow up in the faith in such, I would say, emotional health and closeness with the Lord and with one another? I just want to tell you a couple things really quick. One is that my mom and my dad, they loved us and love us still unconditionally. Their love for us was not based on our performance, okay, which gave us freedom to fail and freedom to succeed, not ever questioning whether their love was gonna change for us. I'm just remembering how I was not a very good athlete. Nancy's always so gracious. She's like, oh honey, you're athletic. I'm like, thanks, but I'm, no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, thank you, she believes in me, you know, it's great. I mean, I was cut from the, uh, the JV soccer team. Who gets cut? The JV soccer team. Mercifully, finally, I was cut from the course. And, um, and that's when I auditioned for the school musical, and I found something that I really loved, and I pursued that. I remember my first um, rehearsal, and I thought, I could have been doing this all along. I was out there trying to compete on the sports field. Oh. But here's the thing about that. So, you know, it stung getting cut from the team because my buddies were on the team, and, and you know, boys are supposed to play sports, so it kind of stung. It never occurred to me, even for one second, that my parents' love for me was going to change when I was cut from the team. And they gave me the freedom because their love for me was not based on my performance at all. Even in grades, anything, I knew that their love for me was the same. They wanted what's best for me. They disciplined me. They held me accountable, but their love never changed. So that gave me the freedom to fail. But more importantly, actually, that gave me the real freedom to succeed. They weren't saying, we'll love you more if you succeed more. So that made me want to succeed for the right reasons. To honor God, to worship God with my gifts and my talents, to learn for the sake of learning. So that's, that's huge. Thank you for loving me unconditionally, Mom, even to this day. Another thing she did, she invited us all into a life of service all the time. I think about my mom as somebody who, she wakes up every morning, and she thinks, who can I help today? 
she just goes through life totally outside of herself, just thinking about who she can help. And when I was growing up, she worked for a Christian adoption agency. And, um, you know, there were times when women would drive right past the abortion clinic and drive to the adoption agency instead and say, can you help me find a home for my baby? And uh, we didn't have much money in our home growing up. My dad worked in the ministry and my mom worked at the adoption agency. And I remember one day my mom pulled into the driveway right uh, at the end of her work day. And in the passenger seat of her car was a young, scared, teenage, pregnant girl. My mom came in to the house. This is before cell phones. You can text with a warning, you know. <laughs> came into the house, and she said, this is so-and-so, and she's going to live with us for the duration of her pregnancy. She can't go back home. She's in trouble there, and she's going to come live with us. And my two sisters would take their single beds and slide them against the wall in their room, and my dad put another single bed in the middle, and these three girls shared the room. It was difficult for us all, but we... We walked with the young girl for the duration of her pregnancy. She had the baby. My mom helped find a family. And my mom did that four times throughout the years of us growing up. And you know, when you're in middle school and you're totally selfish, let me, let me, let me rephrase this. When I was in middle school and I was totally self-absorbed, you, you know, it kind of forces you out of that a little bit. Um, I remember once we were walking to the garage to get into the car to go somewhere, and I was in sixth grade and totally self-absorbed, and then, what do you think I yelled? Shotgun. Yeah, some of you have boys, you know. Yes. And, uh, and my dad grabbed me, you know, really firmly by the neck, and he, said, and he said, no, he said, that's the safest seat in the car. Angela is with child. She's going to sit in the front seat. You're going to sit in the back. And he was right, you know? And, and I watched that young woman, and I think that was the first time she was ever treated with dignity by a man, my dad. And that changed me, you know, when you're in sixth grade and you're like, shotgun, and all of a sudden. <laughs> you know? So, but that was all my mom's leading, to turn our home into a, a place where people could, uh, young women could be sheltered instead of the alternative. So, um, should I just talk all day about my mom? <laughs> yes, I saw a lot of head nodding. We could go on and on and on. Um, one of the things that, that I was raised with was um, the old Christian songs. Pastor Joan, can you make your way over here? Wherever Pastor Joan is. And, and the old hymns. And one of my favorite hymns that I was raised with was Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. A lot of you know it, some of you don't. Uh, Pastor Joan can hold a pitch much better than I can. And I want, um, we're just going to sing this really quickly. Just this first verse, and then I'll talk about it. because I want us to focus on just the first two lines of that song. If you can put those up there on the board. Um, this has become a life prayer of mine. 
This is really my life's prayer, these first two lines. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. And I'm going to tell you in a few minutes why this became my life first. So let's unpack these phrases a little bit together. Come thou fount of every blessing. In this sentence, there's a word picture. We imagine God as this fountain. But instead of water pouring out of the fountain, it's blessing. And to be honest with you, this is probably the most common prayer people pray. Come thou fount of every blessing, or some variation of that. Lord, please make this blessing come into my life in some way. If it's as small as a parking space, <laughs> how many of you pray that one? <laughs> or it's as big as, Lord, please bless my children or my husband in a certain way. And this is a very common prayer, come thou fount. We like to think about God as a fountain of blessing, just pouring out on our lives. But there's a key word in this phrase that's important for us, and it's the word every. Because if we think of God as this fountain of pouring out blessings, we actually sometimes can forget that some blessings don't come in line with the prayer we prayed for. Every blessing. How many of us can look back on a situation that was difficult or challenging or something we prayed the opposite of? We can look back in hindsight and say, you know what? That was actually the blessing. That I didn't get what I prayed for. Or that some kind of problem came into my life that made me better or made me have a deeper faith. So when we say, come now, fount of every blessing, we have to remember that word, every. You know, as a pastor, I, I often get emails and texts from people, it's actually very frequent, where they'll say, I'm going in for a job interview, please pray that I get it. And I love telling people, I will definitely pray that you get that job. But also, I'm going to pray that if you don't, it's because God had an important ministry to do in your heart that was more important for your eternal salvation than getting that job was. And some people in, in our church have learned just not to ask me for a prayer. <laughs> I, saw, I saw Sue Newman here. Sue, Sue's husband, Greg, he, he stopped asking me for prayer. Like, you know, he prayed for their daughter, Sana, to get some job. And I said some prayer like that. You know, Lord, yes, I do pray that she get the job. But if she doesn't, Lord, that you would increase her faith. This would be a, a season of hardship that would bring her closer to you. And, um, and then I said amen. And he goes, but God, we pray that she does. Job. She got the job. So be careful asking me to pray for you. Come thou fount of every blessing. And I'm going to talk in just a minute about a blessing that I received some years ago that is nothing anybody would ever pray that would happen to somebody else, but I consider it a blessing. So let's go to that next phrase as we move on. Tune my heart. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart. I love this part of the prayer because it's a recognition that I can get out of tune. That I need to be retuned. My office at the church is um, close to the sanctuary. And in the sanctuary of the church, there's this beautiful grand piano. Just a, an amazing instrument. But about once a quarter, 
somebody comes in from outside the church and has to tune the piano. And he's there for like a couple of hours, just ding, ding. I usually have to leave the office because it will drive you batty. But it's a good reminder for me that this beautiful piano, just sitting there on its own, usually throughout the week, not being played except on Sundays and Wednesdays, it gets out of tune. It needs someone to come in from outside with a tuning fork and retune it. This is the prayer that we pray. Tune my heart. I get out of tune. The Bible calls it sin. And we need to be retuned. There's another metaphor in the Bible which is similar. And it says, it's in Isaiah, and it's a prayer, and it says, You are the potter, I am the clay. This is a prayer where we say to God, You are the potter, I'm just basically a lump of clay that needs molding and shaping from outside of myself. In the same way that the tuning fork has to be brought in, there's nothing internal in the piano that will keep it in tune. There's nothing inherent in the clay that will make it turn into a beautiful vase or vessel. In the same way, our hearts get out of tune or out of shape, and we need someone to come from outside of ourselves to come and retune us or reshape us. You know, if you pay attention to this in pop culture or on television shows or whatever it is that we're streaming on Netflix or whatever, watch for this. It's interesting. Usually when someone's going through a hard time or they're having some kind of tragedy, they're going through a divorce or something like that, listen on these shows for the advice they usually get from their best friend. It's usually something like this. You have to do what makes you happy. You have to listen to that inner voice. And you have to go do that. But if you compare that to this prayer, tune my heart, bring a tuning fork, bring a potter from outside of myself to shape my life according to that other thing, it's different than listening to my inner voice. You see the difference? Just like there's nothing in a piano that can keep it in tune, and there's nothing inherent in clay that can shape it into a beautiful vessel, we also need someone to come from outside ourselves, not our inner voice. That will usually keep us out of tune someone from outside of ourselves to come and we can tune our hearts to that. Well, I'm here to tell you that the best tuning fork, the best potter in the universe, is Jesus Christ. If we can tune our hearts to Him, then the last part of the prayer will come true, to sing with thy grace. Come, thou fount of every blessing, Tune my heart to sing thy grace. When we're in tune with Jesus Christ, we sing songs of grace. Did you hear that story from Ansley, that amazing story? The woman lost her husband. I love the picture you gave us, Ansley. One day she's crumpled down in despair. Five days later, she goes to talk to the pilot whose actions changed her life for the worse. I think those were your words. That is someone whose heart is in tune with the grace of Jesus Christ. Only grace can send you to the person who is responsible for the death of your husband. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. You know, at the Last Supper, Jesus said this amazing He's talking to his disciples. This is John 13, verse 34. And he said, As I have loved you, so you are to love one another. You hear the tuning fork in that statement? As I have loved you, 
so you are to love one another. Tune our hearts, Jesus, to sing your grace, to love each other the way that you have loved. Think about this. How did Jesus love his disciples as I have loved you? How did he love them? They're sitting there around this table. As they all entered the room for the Last Supper, he washed their feet. He took the position and the form of a servant and he washed their feet. They're sitting there at this table. The crumbs are probably still on their plates of the bread that he lifted up, which he broke and he said, this is my body given for you. Their bellies are still filled with a little bit of the wine that he said, this is the cup of the new covenant which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. He's pointing them to a sacrificial love, washing their feet, dying for them. And then he says to them, as I've loved you with this sacrificial love, so I want you to love one another. How many of us live lives totally of sacrificial love? Hardly any of us could raise our hands. Generally, it's self-love that motivates us. But when our hearts are in tune with the grace of Jesus Christ, we might then be able to start loving people the way that he has loved us. We might put a young, scared, teenage, pregnant girl in the car and bring her home and say, you can come live with me for a while. It's going to be hard. We can't afford it. My kids' lives are going to be disrupted, but you need help. Come live with us. That's a person. My mother is a person whose heart is in tune with the grace of Christ. Now I want to tell you a personal story that involves my mother uh, a little bit about how this verse, how this um, statement became my life prayer. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. I grew up really with, with every blessing. I, what did I used to, we used to say, Mom? I said, Mom, are we rich? You would say. We're rich in blessings. We're rich in blessings. And that was very true. I was rich in blessings. And I remember... Um, my senior year of college, there's a, a moment that changed my life forever, in some ways changed it for the worse. I was diagnosed with a heart condition. It's true, my last name's Hart. <laughs> and I was diagnosed with a heart condition, chronic atrial fibrillation. Now let me tell you some of the events that happened in the months leading up to that diagnosis. Don't laugh now, okay? <laughs> I was the homecoming king. <laughs> Didn't play sports, but I could charm people into voting for me. So I was the homecoming king, and I remember uh, not long after that, walking down the sidewalk in the quad, and uh, I looked around and, and I noticed that a lot of the people in, co in my college, they knew who I was. You know, they knew that was Nathan Hart, the homecoming king. <laughs> and, uh, And because of the way my mother raised me, my next thought was, oh no, I have a pride problem. There is a lot of pride in my heart. The fact that I'm enjoying this relative fame. And so that next weekend, I drove home. I was visiting my parents. And I said to my mom, mom, I have a pride problem. And I'm going to start praying for humility. And I remember what she said to me. Be careful what you pray for. <laughs> she said, be careful what you pray for. And um, so, some months later, I'm driving in my car again, and I blacked out. 
Yeah, 21 years old, think I'm on top of the world. I'm the homecoming king, kind of awesome. <laughs> By the way, Nancy's still praying for humility. <laughs> I revel in that a little too much, don't I? So uh, long story short, I'm diagnosed with this chronic heart condition that um, you know some people get when they're way older than I was, obviously. And um, I'm lying on the pre-op bed going into to an operation that would help correct the heart problem. And I was lying there, and I had my fingers against my wrist feeling my pulse. And I was kind of wondering, you know, and the heartbeat's all weird and, and off. And, and I remember thinking, is this my last heartbeat? Could this be my, this could be my last heart? I could die. This could be my... And then my next thought was, thank you, God, for that heartbeat. Thank, yes, thank you, God, for that heartbeat, too. Thank you. Thank you, God, for these heartbeats. And I'm looking up at the tile ceiling of the hospital room, and I realize he's answered my prayer for humility. I'm literally thanking God for every single heartbeat. And I started thanking him for the breath in my lungs that was going in and out all the night before as I slept. And I started thanking him that I was even conceived in the first place. These are all gifts from him. And I remember kind of looking up at the ceiling thinking, oh, that's what my mom meant. Be careful what you pray for. I pray for humility. You see, God loved me enough to allow me to get this health problem because he, he, he cared more about my heart, my metaphorical heart, which was full of pride. And so he said, I love Nathan enough. I'm going to allow this situation. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking right now, oh, great, I came to this nice luncheon. And now I'm supposed to pray for calamity to come in my life. <laughs> I pray that if anyone here needs a heart correction, if your heart is out of tune in whatever way, I pray that he tunes your heart or shapes the clay of your heart in a way that doesn't involve calamity. But often he uses that. And it's taught me to actually welcome the problems that come in my life. I say, okay, Lord, you must be doing something here. I must need to learn something. Please, don't let this stop. See, I used to pray, Lord, take it away. Lord, make this stop. Make this problem stop quickly. And now I learn to pray, don't let it stop, Lord, until you've done the thing in me you need to do. Mom, can you come on up here? We're going to hear from my mom's perspective on that just a couple of minutes, uh, what that was like for her as a mom to watch her son go through that. He didn't get his gift of teaching and preaching for me, so just bear with me. Very nervous. It was a hard time when Nathan was um, going through his heart condition. We, of course, questioned because it's like, God, he's 21 years old. What's going on? And <laughs> um, but he was faithful. God was faithful every step of the way. There was a cardiologist who um, tried to restart his heart, heart or regulate his heart. The first time it lasted for 24, 48 hours, and it went back out of rhythm. I'm like, okay, now what? He tried it again, full force. Um, he came into our room, my husband and I, and said, crying. I've never had this happen before where I couldn't regulate a heart. 
So we're going, okay, no but God, you know? And he was sent to Ann Arbor and went through surgery and then actually eventually he had it again in New York. But God is faithful. And through all of it, we just prayed for his will be done. And that's hard with a mom who loves a son. And one of the verses that I cling to is Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Such a life-giving, freeing verse that God had given to us. And then another song, Nathan doesn't know that I did this, but that one of my favorite songs, and come to find out, the author of this song wrote it for his mother, <laughs> who was in Ireland. And it's what a friend we have in Jesus. I'm just going to say the words and just listen carefully. I wrote it down because I was afraid I was going to forget it. <laughs> what a friend we have in Jesus. What a privilege all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness, every one. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing your grace. God, you really do provide every blessing, even those ones that are in disguise. I pray for all of our hearts here, in any way that they've gone out of tune. God, I pray that you would put us back in tune in this moment. And I pray that the song our hearts would sing as we leave this place today would be the song of your grace. The song of your grace. Is there a more beautiful song? So Holy Spirit, please come and, and give us a new song. Fill every heart. Amen. <laughs>